as I began to think about, sometimes I have a word for the year, like 2020 was unstoppable. <laughs> wow, prophetic. We just didn't know what we were gonna have to overcome to be unstoppable. Um, sometimes God gives a word, sometimes God gives a theme. This year was tough. I kept, as I was wrestling with the Lord, I'd hear this, and then I'd wrestle a little longer, and I'd hear that, and, and God just took me back to his word. And the place where he brought me for us this year is in the book of Joshua, which if you've been coming to Keystone for a while, you should know the book of Joshua because we've spent almost all of 2021 in the book of Joshua. And it was a powerful, powerful scripture for us, place in scripture for us. It's about God's design for the people of Israel to go take the land that he had for them. Joshua chapter one, verse six, God said, be strong and courageous for you shall cause this people to inherit the land I swore to their fathers to give them. If you're taking notes, I pray you all are online in the room. I want you to write this down because this is what I believe God has for us this next year. Conquer and possess. Conquer and possess. God said, you're gonna need to be strong and courageous to conquer. You'll need to be strong and courageous to possess. You don't wanna do one without the other, and I wanna teach you what that means today. Joshua 11, 23, so chapter one, he told him to do it. Chapter 11, we see that he had conquered, indeed, 23. So Joshua took the whole land, conquered it, according to all that the Lord had spoken to Moses. He conquered the land. What does that mean for you and me? I wanna encourage you today. Conquer the land that God has laid before you. What land has God laid before you? Conquer it. Don't just look at it any longer. Don't just talk about it any longer. Don't just think about the what ifs and the, and the if evers. Today, this year, we're gonna take some steps toward conquering the land that God has laid before you. It's not next year that I'm gonna get rid of this addiction. It's not we're gonna start working on our marriage when we have the money. No, we're gonna, this year, we're gonna conquer the land that God has laid before you. Does anybody in this room believe that God has a purpose for you? Come on, does anybody believe that? Well, let me tell you something. We're gonna, we're gonna conquer the land of purpose. Anybody think that perhaps that God would be the healer for you this year? We're gonna conquer the healing that God has for you. We're gonna take the land. You think God wants you to live defeated? Now, I may not be, a help, be able to help you with all your circumstances, but I promise you, God wants to conquer the land that God has set in front of you. Anybody here need to be lifted? We're gonna conquer it. We're gonna slay it. It's gonna be, let's go. We're gonna conquer the land that God has laid in front of us. Here's what I know. In Romans chapter 10, verse 14, there's an aggressive posture for the church to conquer, not sink into us for no more. There's a sense of us putting our foot in the ground and turning and running forward, leaning forward, let's go. Romans chapter 10, verse 14, the Bible says, how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? How can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? How can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? 
That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. Congratulations, church. You have been sent. You are the messengers. You have the beautiful feet. We are going to conquer the sin and the death and the brokenness in our community, in the families. We're gonna see people here. We're gonna see lids lifted. We're gonna see addictions broken. We're gonna see marriages helped. We're gonna see it this year. We're conquering the land. We're gonna see more people saved than we've ever seen. We're gonna baptize more people than we've ever baptized. It's gonna happen this year. We're not playing a retreat defense where we're just waiting for the score. No, 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 we're going for it. We're turning on offense. We're gonna be a high-flying, scoring, best show on turf. We're going for it. Anybody ready for football? Let's go. Don't you hate it when your team is ahead and they begin to play defense? Church is not meant to play it safe, to play defense. We gotta score. And that means we're gonna stir those waters. This year, we're gonna baptize people in the lake. Who's gonna be ready to be baptized in the lake? We're gonna baptize people at the lake. By then, we'll have some fish nipping on your legs. It'll be great. Wouldn't that be beautiful? What a, what a testimony it'll be for the people driving by to see somebody coming to life in Christ and they can see it. You're right there. You say, what? That's old time religion, getting baptized in a lake? You better believe it. We are old school. Ain't no school like a new school, baby, like the old school. I messed that up, didn't I? <laughs> Ain't no school like the old school, baby. So what that looks like is God wants something done. Does anybody believe that God wants something done in our cities? Listen, if you carry a burden for your community, behind that burden, I want you to know God wants something done. If you have a burden for our nation, I got an encouragement for you. God wants something done. You feel alone in your high school? God wants something done. God wants something done. And then check this. God looks for available people to get what he wants done. He looks for available people. And some scripture says, I searched everywhere looking. I shared with a group of high school young men this past week, Ezekiel 22, verse 30. And I sought for a man among them who should build up the wall and stand in the breach before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. What's he saying? I looked everywhere among them. There were a lot of males, no men. Lots of dudes, no men. No men. Elsewhere to the letter to the Corinthians, Paul says, hey, act like a man. He's looking, he has a vision for, can I say this? I didn't do this at nine o'clock. He has a vision for biblical manhood. He has a vision and God wants that done and he's looking for this church to help our men walk in to biblical manhood. We're gonna do it. You're gonna hear in a moment how we're gonna do it. Ladies, you're not left out either. God has a vision for women of God. And he's wondering, is this the church that's gonna say we're raising up women of God that believe in the power of healing, that believe in miracles, that believe in prayer, that believe they could love again, that will trust again, that are not hardened, refuse to gossip? Could it happen here? Could this be the place where it's just different? God has a vision. He looks for available people. Here's what, here's what I'm trying to say is, we're gonna conquer the land of isolation, aloneness, depression. We're gonna conquer that land because God 
we're available to be used. God looks, have you ever seen how God finds people and the only qualification, they were available? Sometimes he just takes people, they're clearly not qualified for the job, but they were available. And I don't know if we're 100% qualified for the job to change the world, but God, here's what I know. Today, Vision 2023, we're saying, God, we're available for whatever you wanna use us for. We're available. Here we are, God. You looking for the dudes? Here you're gonna find some men. You look among the ladies, here you're gonna find some women of God. God gives those available people vision. Yeah, this is part of where it gets fun and scary. When you make yourself available to God, all of a sudden, it gets fun because miracles begin to happen and you begin to sense him speaking to you and it's like bizarre, like you're flooded with it. And it's like this one person keeps coming up to you and you're praying, God, would you show, us who, show me who I could invite to church? And then this one person keeps coming up to you. And I'm like, I don't really wanna invite them. Can you show me somebody else? <laughs> God will begin to give you vision and then those who are available and receive the vision and are bold enough to take steps toward that vision, they miraculously get God's mission done. This building right here is not the result of one person who won the lottery. It's not the result of five families who gave extraordinarily. We've had extraordinary, extraordinary giving in this church. But understand, not one person paid for this building. This is a miracle of all of us coming together saying, I'm not sure if this makes a difference, but this is what God told me to do. And we all came together with all kinds of zeros behind those numbers, and God did it. This is a miracle. This makes no financial sense. This is a miracle. Can I, is that okay for y'all to know that? Like, this is a miracle. What God has done here is remarkable. And it's every person, God's supernaturally multiplying whatever we brought along the way. God does it miraculously. What that means is this. A word behind this ethic is urgency. 2023, we are urgent to send the good news of Jesus Christ to every single corner of our community, region, and world. That we, we're not content for the success that we've had in the past. That we believe God has put us here to build and fight for families like never before with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not just good morality, not just here's some tips, but the transforming power of Jesus Christ for their lives. And it'll change you from the inside out. For some of us, there's some stubborn sin that's been in your life for far too long. This is a year it gets conquered. We're gonna see people saved. We're gonna be urgent. Urgency means when you get the mailer in the mail and you see that Keystone sent on a mailer, that mailer should not just say, oh, I'm glad that we're reaching people. Sure, say that. But when you see that mailer, you need to remind yourself, this is helping me with, as I invite people. When you drive by and you see a billboard, and there will be billboards, when you drive by and you see a billboard, that billboard is not the only way we invite people. It's actually there to help you invite people. So that when you tell people about Keystone, they've gotten a mailer, they've driven by the billboard, their curiosity is peaked, but they need a face to associate with Keystone, otherwise it's just a church down the road. A beautiful church I drive by, it needs to have hands and feet and faces and stories, and you are those hands and feet and faces and stories. And we're gonna be inviting like never before. That means that we need a mindset, a mindset that no one else is coming. I love every church in our city, high five them, 
even churches that are different than ours, churches that sing differently than us, churches that even at times would believe things that I don't perfectly agree with, we high five, that's who we are. Y'all know that, right, church? Like, we're not a hater blog church, we're not a criticize the other pastor kind of church, that's not who we are, amen? That is not who we are. It's not who we are. I understand that God is doing great things at some wonderful places, and whenever you come up to me and talk to me about another church, you're gonna hear me compliment that church, because that's who we are, that's what we believe. But our mindset needs to be as if there's no one else coming. Our aggressive, urgent mindset to conquer the land needs to be such like, like an Esther, Queen Esther. People of Israel were about to be persecuted to the point of extinction, and her uncle said, God has raised you, Esther, up for such a time as this. Esther, no one else is coming. I think about little shepherd boy David just bringing a lunch to his brothers on the front lines of, of the battle with the Philistines, and little shepherd boy David, he shows up with his lunch, and he hears Goliath down in the path in the valley, he hears Goliath mocking the people of Israel, and little shepherd boy David, he didn't look to Saul in his armor, six foot five Saul in his armor, he didn't look to his older brothers who should have been bowing up like, no, he said, hey, somebody needs to take care of that, and that somebody's me, no one else is coming, so give me my slingshot, Put away your armor. We're gonna do this God style because no one else is coming. I think about Daniel and his friends in Babylonian exile away from Jerusalem had seen violence and destruction and murder and death and catastrophe and he himself and his friends had been mutilated and they were surrounded by an environment that was completely dark and completely depressing and when everybody else was kneeling to a false god, he said, I must stand because no one else may do it, no one else is coming, but I'm gonna shine for God. And I'm telling you, Keystone Church, Jesus said, if you don't say it, the rocks will cry out, but we need to have the mindset. We're gonna be as urgent as if this whole place goes to hell if Keystone doesn't speak up. That your family is doomed if we don't get aggressive with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That we're one generation from being completely fallen away from God. There must be a sense of urgency. We've got to conquer the land because I know this, that Jesus went to the cross and no one else was coming. And he went to the cross alone. And we don't have to do it alone, but if we did, we need the mindset that no one else is coming. So we're gonna be aggressive like that. Like there's a war to be won and we're the only ones that could win it. That's our mindset. That means this year we're gonna fight for families like we've never had before. Does anybody believe that our families are ground zero for satanic attack to derail our country, derail our families. Derail. The family unit is the first cohesive thing that God brought together. Adam and Eve, first family, and it's the first place Satan attacked. That attack continues today. Is anybody with me on fighting for the families against the principalities and powers of darkness? <clears throat> We're gonna do more for kids and students. We're gonna do more for the men of God in the house. We're gonna do more for the women of God in the house. We're gonna do more than we've ever done in the history of Keystone. We are taking ground 
that the enemy has occupied for far too long. So the first word in this Joshua summary is conquer, let's go, conquer. But then, in chapter 13, so chapter 11, God said, you've conquered. Chapter 13, now Joshua was old and advanced in years, and the Lord said to him, you are old and advanced in years. Thanks, God. <laughs> now Joshua was old and advanced in years, and God said, you need a hip replacement. God said, yeah, come on. And there, look, this is the important part. There remains yet very much land to possess. Huh. That's interesting. Sounds like a contradiction. Chapter 11, you've conquered the land. Chapter 13, there still remains much land to be possessed. Here's the point. We gotta possess what has been already conquered. You must possess what has already been conquered. Those words, there remains yet very much land to possess. Let me explain that. Let me, let me help unpack that for us. What are we talking about here? You know, I was heartbroken. I think the whole nation mourned when we left Afghanistan and we saw a nation we had conquered. But when you leave it, the news starts coming out of the subjugation of women again and it just feels like that everything just went back to the way it was before because we had conquered the land. Whatever you think about it, we had not possessed the land. Okay? Maybe a lighter note, your gym membership. 2023. You have it. Maybe for three weeks you possessed it. But have you fully possessed that? Okay, we gotta do better than that. How about a dog? Anybody ever gotten a brand new dog and it kinda wasn't your idea? Like, I wish you could see what I see. Everybody's elbowing and patting people on the... And the dog came and it was a little smaller than what you like. I mean, this is, this is not a dog. This is an appetizer for the dog that I want. <laughs> this is some little Paris Hilton dog, you know? And it barks too much, and when it barks, it's wee, 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 wee. It's not <laughs> You know, you want, <laughs> you want a dog, a D-A-W-G. That's what you want. Or maybe you're the opposite way. You and a dog that can cuddle with you on the couch and it's soft and you just hold it and it's just so cute and furry and fuzzy and so adorable and looks up at you like, mama. <laughs> and you just wanna hold that dog, but the dog you got is so big when it walks in, it bangs into you, you fall down. <laughs> it climbs on, you're ready to cuddle on the couch, it climbs on and the paws are like scraping you like a bear, you know. Ah! You have a dog, but have you fully embraced that dog into your heart? That's what we're talking about. God, in Christ, on the cross, conquered sin and death for you. The deed to your soul is secure, my friend. The ground that you walk on is redeemed, my friend. But there is still much land that we need to allow him to possess. 
The ground is his. But have we allowed him to possess all of the corners and the acres and the, and the rooms of our life? Or are there are a couple of rooms we say, I know you own the house, but this room I'd like to keep locked. This room I keep to myself. Here God is saying, I have conquered and the rest of your life is a journey of allowing me to possess the land that I have conquered. Far too often we stop short. We stop short too soon because there's a difference between conquering the land and possessing the land. This stubborn pattern of stopping short was in Joshua and it explains the difference between conquer and possess. Joshua 15, 63, the Jebusites, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the people of Judah could not drive out so the Jebusites dwell with the people of Judah and Jerusalem to this day. Joshua 16, however, they did not drive out the Canaanites who lived in Gezer, so the Canaanites have lived in the midst of them to this day. Joshua 17, verse 12, yet the people of Manasseh could not take possession of those cities, but the Canaanites persisted in dwelling in that land. Now when the people of Israel grew strong, they put the Canaanites in forced labor, but they did not utterly drive them out. What do we see here, this pattern? I've conquered the land, but I have not really, and, and Joshua is a metaphor for all of your life. I've conquered the land, but I have not really gotten rid of all of the toxicity in my life of sin and death. I've held on to some stubborn sins. I've held on to some broken patterns. Or are we a church that would say together, God, I give you total free control to do what you wanna do. And for some of us, that's gonna mess with you this year because he's gonna start talking to you about the door that's been locked of relationships, and he's gonna say, this relationship needs to be healed. Well, it's done, I don't need to mess with that, I need to move on. No, he's gonna say, you need some conflict resolution. You need peace there, because this is just messed up, and, it's, and it's, a, it's a weight around your neck, and it's a painful place, and it's time for peace. Others of you, giving God total access to your life means the door of your finances the door of your finances where you open up finally and trust God and his design for the first and 10% of what you have. You trust God financially. Maybe today would be the day you trust God that way. See, when you give God access hey, to your marriage, maybe you've already drawn, drawn the lines of a peaceful surrender. It's like some, some relational cold war. And you've said, well, we're not divorced, but you don't have a marriage. And this is the year that God says, no, give me access to the bedroom. Give me access to your marriage. Give me access to your intimacy. Give me access to your communication. Give me access to your connection. Give me access to affection. Give me access, and I'm telling you, by the time we round the corner in 2024, you're gonna say, my marriage has never been better. But you gotta let God possess what he has already conquered. Are you with me? There's a difference between conquering the land and possessing the land. So Brandon, what's next? Where are we going now? What does that mean for us now? Where do we go, okay? We're gonna conquer, we're gonna be aggressive, we're gonna possess, we're gonna build this church. Your soul's gonna be better, your life's gonna be better. We're gonna grow, we're gonna win. What does that look like? And maybe you'd say, hey, a great Vision Sunday, coming into today, a great Vision Sunday, I'm eager to hear what's the next building project. What land are we gonna buy next? That's what I think they're, I, I know they're gonna talk about a second campus. I just know they are. And I'm here to say today that yes, that has been the story for many years where we're buying land and building the house for a place to call home. We have built this house, this house that we're in, 
for the family of God and for God himself, to grow the family of God and to lift high the name of God himself. We built this house for that. This year, as we have built and we have occupied, now we're gonna build the family of God in this house. That's this year. In previous years, let's build a house. This year, let's build the family who lives in this house. Let's grow the family who lives in this house. Let's fill the rooms of the house with laughter and stories. Let's grow the church that is in this house. And what a miracle it is that God would say, I gave you a vision for concrete and stone. I gave you a vision for towers and plazas. I gave you a vision for all of that, that the house may be a place for the family to grow. Are we ready to grow as a family in this wonderful house that God has built? We're gonna grow. So what's next? What does that look like? Let me give you a few things. Susan got on social media and she talked about our wonderfully made women's conference. Anybody excited about 2023 women's conference? It's gonna be amazing. And Susan is obviously one of our speakers. I'm ready to announce our first next speaker. So we have Susan and then the next speaker is, you ready? I have drums but no drum roll. If you watch The Bachelor, you don't wanna raise your hand on that one, but if you watch The Bachelor, you may know Madison Pruitt, Maddie Pruitt. Y'all know Maddie Pruitt. She's on The Bachelor. She's gonna be here for our women's conference. We're so excited that she's gonna be here. It's gonna be awesome. She has a great story. She has a great story. The whole world watched her as, uh, as her faith collided with Hollywood, and it's gonna be really exciting to see her story and uh, what God has been doing since. So that's gonna be fantastic. So in front of you, you've got a QR code. Let me just say this, you're gonna wanna get ready. Get your phone out and go ahead and start. So I think we're gonna pack this place out. We had a ton of people sign up last service. Uh, I believe we're gonna pack this thing out. So you're gonna wanna sign up and buy lots of tickets for your friends right now. You wanna do that um, before they're all completely gone. So it's gonna be great. And that's just the beginning. We have other speakers that we're lining up and we'll share with them to you as we get them. But man, God did such an amazing thing last year, this past at our very first women's conference, which we almost filled that one up. Our very first one, you didn't even know what was gonna happen. Now you know how God did something more and it felt like more than a conference. It felt like a movement. It felt like a thing you never wanna miss. I, I wanna tell you, I can't overstate how important it is for you to get to the front of the line, make sure you get in on that. Next, we are kicking off a new ministry, and it's not new to us. We've been doing a version of this for a long time, but we're taking it to another level because God has put specific things on our heart. It's called Keystone Cares. Keystone Cares. Keystone Cares is our everyday mission and vision work with people at the point of their greatest need. You know, Jesus would often meet people. They were thirsty, he would give them water. They were hungry, they would give them bread. We're gonna meet people at the point of their hunger. We're gonna meet people at the point of their thirst. For example, in the past, we have done things like partnered with local cities. There are widows in the city that have, not, have no one to help their properties stay up and stay current, and so they fall into disrepair and fall out of code with the city. 
And so when that happens, we've partnered with local cities for widows that have fallen out of code and we'll go repair their house and mow their lawn and that kind of thing. That's Keystone Cares. We've done that, we'll continue to do that. But there are other ministries, and I'll give you one. You know, we celebrate at Keystone the decision uh, by our Supreme Court this past year to uphold life for our most vulnerable, our babies. And when, yeah, we, we celebrate that at Keystone. And what we're, especially in this state, what we're excited about with, with this is we believe there's gonna be more babies. And there's gonna be moms that are very uncertain and filled with insecurity in that moment who otherwise might have chosen abortion and now they're choosing life. And you know who needs to be there waiting for those moms? The house of God. And if no one else is coming, that means it's us. It's us, church. And so we're gonna step into that moment, we're gonna tell them it's okay, we're gonna tell them we're here with you, we're here for you, and we're gonna help you out, Keystone Cares. And there's other examples of that. People, at Keystone, we kind of pivot to the need in the moment, whether that's you're in a pandemic and people need food, let's go get some food. Uh, we're gonna continue to pivot like that, but we're building this ministry to be robust in, in, a, in a day and an age where we believe people need it more than ever. Keystone cares. Next thing that we're gonna do is actually in 2024, but I gotta tell you about it now. Because in 2024, we're going to Israel. We're going to Israel. You say, wait, that's 2024. Tell me about that in 2024. This is vision 2023, because to get there, you've gotta start saving in 2023 to get there in 2024. And so we're gonna let you know now, we don't have a date. What we need now is interest. You know, we feel like everybody wants to go, but we need to know who really, really feels like that they could go and be willing to financially make the sacrifice to go. So again, on that QR code, go to the QR code and there is a link there where you can let us know if you're interested at all and then we'll give you more information as we have a sense of how many people because the first thing these, the, the tour people wanna know is how many people are you taking? And I'm like, I don't know, 2,000? They're like, whatever, call me when you're serious. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> Israel 2024, it's gonna be the Holy Land and, and here's the thing about seeing the Holy Land. We've made a decision on this trip we're just doing Jesus. There's a lot of things you can see over there. We're focusing on the life, ministry, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's where we're going. And so that's what we're seeing, and it's gonna be fantastic. We'll have more for, that, more for you there, but we really need to know if you're interested at all, so please let us know right now. Hop on that QR code and let us know. God has been giving us a vision, particularly as I speak with Susan and we pray together about the future of the church, something that is burning in her heart, something that is burning in my heart, is something that we are calling, and we're gonna do this periodically throughout the year, not just one time, several times throughout the year, revival nights. This is the night for the church to come together, and God, would you revive us? This is a time where we are setting ourselves apart, and hear me, this is not just a, hey, yeah, come, it'll be great. No, this is a moment where we are separating ourselves as a church and we are coming in and we're saying, God, I give you this time, I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna sing, maybe a little bit of, of sharing from scripture, but it's mostly an encounter with, the, with God at the point of prayer. We're gonna, if, if, if there's people that need healing, we're gonna offer healing. 
Um, if there are people that wanna be anointed with oil and prayed over by the leadership of the church, we're gonna anoint them with oil, we're gonna pray over them with the leadership of the church. It's a time for friends to come together and arms around one another and pray together and just get on our face before God and we are calling, listen, the Bible says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, right? Well, this is one of those moments where we are coming together and we're gonna sing, it's gonna be beautiful, but it will be powerful and it will be intense. We're gonna get in the spirit and we're gonna call out to God to bring heaven to earth for our city, for our schools, for our communities, for our families. Revival nights. So keep your eyes open for revival nights. Because to possess the land, we cannot do it in our own strength. And I know that's an everyday thing, but sometimes you wanna separate yourself and say, no God, we're not doing this in our own strength. This spring, we're gonna have a dude's event, a men's event. Remember I told you, men of God, you ready for this? We're gonna have the most extreme men's event that we have ever done at this property at Keystone Church. It's going to be insane, it's gonna be awesome, and as a guy, it's gonna be one of those things that if you miss it, you're gonna step back and you're gonna see all the social media and you're gonna say, dang, man, I didn't know it was gonna be that. No, it's gonna be that. It's gonna be amazing, incredible, why? Because we're committed, I already talked to you from scripture, we're committed to building men of God. We already have an incredible study that's underway. Um, over 100 men have been gathering weekly and they just gather in, they lean in, they get in, in at a table, we're, we're talking, we're connecting. It's, it's not weird at all, it's not intimidating at all. It is fun, it's dudes. It's masculine, it's all those things. Need I say more, all right? It's awesome, and these are strong dudes that are encouraging one another toward their God-given potential. We're just gonna take it to another level. It's gonna be great. Maybe you've heard about winter camp with our students. Anybody heard about winter camp from our students? Winter camp came about because student camp during the summer is such a powerful thing for our whole church that God gave us the vision, man, let's do something in the winter. You know, why do you have to wait a whole year for a getaway where you press pause on social media, you press pause on all the distractions? And what we've, say, we've seen, that it doesn't even take 24 hours. When you pause from all the distractions in your world, it doesn't even take 24 hours. God begins to speak to you in ways that you, you're just shocked. He begins to grow you, and it's powerful. So winter camp's gonna be amazing, and, and we already have so many students coming. Man, encourage your kid to go, and students, encourage your parents to send, parents, <laughs> parents to send you, and, uh, and it'll be awesome. Here's what I know, the grade, I just found this out, the grade, like, check this, the grade that sends the most kids to, to winter camp, they're gonna go in a party bus. Is that so Keystone? We're gonna have a party bus with all the refreshments and all the crazy stuff for that? So. Uh, if y'all are competitive, you'll want your, your crew to really blow it up, all right? Who's gonna blow it up? Is it gonna be 10th grade guys? Is it gonna be 9th grade girls? I don't know, we'll see. I, I'm not too encouraged by you right now, I just must say. Um, just an update on Rev Room. We are, we're in process to upgrade. One of the things we talked about was the acoustics in the Rev Room. We're upgrading that. That's in process. It's happening. And uh, thank you for your patience as we're creating that space to be more conducive for smaller groups to meet, not just for fun to happen, but for smaller groups to meet. And so that's, that's happening and it's in process. Um, also, next weekend, we start a brand new series of messages called Good Gift, 
bad God. Now, what does that even mean? Good gift, bad God. Are we saying God is bad? Absolutely not. We're going from Romans chapter one. This is an anchor in Christian theology. Romans chapter one, the book of Romans is Paul's penultimate work in theology. And we're going to Romans chapter one and we're showing how, how Paul articulated that at times we have a tendency, a magnetic pull, to take things that God, a good father, gives us as gifts. Pleasure seeking, wealth, fun, friends, family. All those things that God gives us as gifts and we in our nature tend to lift them up to God-like status. Here's what I know. Friends, kids, money, wealth, all that good gift, but it makes a really bad God. So this is gonna be intensely practical. It could reorder your life and make you more healthy. We believe that's gonna happen. So start inviting people. Text them right now. I'm in church. I'm hearing about this new series. You gotta come back with me next week. We have invitation stations. Grab stuff on your way out because we're gonna be aggressive. No one else is coming, church. And then, oh, and one thing about Good Gift, Bad God, not only next week, bring everybody. Like, everybody have 10 people. Go to breakfast early. Uh, say, tell people you'll meet them by the fireplace. Just whatever it takes. Start praying for names right now. I mean, really go for it, Kurt, church, because we're urgent. No one else is coming. But also on Super Bowl Sunday, that's not a day to check out, it's a day to check in. We have Keystone's own, our dear friend, Norm Hitzkus is gonna be with us that day from the ticket, and he's gonna be sharing some stories and some insights that you've never heard before as he's been in some of the rooms none of us have been in with these athletes and these organizations. He's gonna share some of those stories. And on that day, I'm gonna preach, and we're gonna, we're gonna talk about uh, the power of play and how play and entertainment and sports even is a gift from God, but it makes a bad God. We're gonna have fun for the family as you make your way to the Super Bowl activities if you do that. And it's gonna be one of those days you wanna circle. So good gift, bad God is gonna be perhaps the most invitation-friendly, strongest opportunity for you to invite somebody that we've ever had at Keystone. And then finally, we're gonna possess the land we're gonna do the blocking, the tackling, the fundamentals of invitation, serving, and giving. If we're gonna grow like we're already growing, we need more people to serve than we ever have. For us to be faithful to the call, God, I'm available, we need to invite like we've never invited before. Can you stand to your feet, church? I wanna invite you to stand to your feet. And here's what I want you to do. God has put something on our heart as a church where we together, and again, you can click on the QR code, you can go to our website, you can give, you can start prioritizing your giving right now. And today would be the day to do that. I found somebody in the lobby, or they found me, and they said, hey, I've gotta share a story with you. Um, I was supposed to be getting a raise, I didn't get the raise, I was frustrated. I was talking to a Christian friend about how maybe I can't give what God had put on my heart to give. And my Christian friend challenged me. She said, hey, just give it and believe in faith that God's gonna provide. And she was like, oh, I know you're right. But she did it. She took a leap forward in faith and she gave like that. And she said the very next week, if I heard it correctly, the very next week she got called in and it wasn't the raise or bonus that she thought. It was an entirely new position in the organization that was cash-based commission kind of stuff. And it could, has the potential to far surpass what she would have gotten with that raise over there. Come on. You don't, 
You don't get that story if you don't tithe, if you don't get in the game. You don't get miracles like that. So um, we're gonna do the basics. We're gonna, we're gonna serve, we're gonna invite, and we're gonna give, and we're gonna build this house. Can we bow our heads together? As our pastors come and prayer team comes, come to the front of the room, we're gonna have a moment for us to receive you in prayer. You may wanna leave your seat as we sing and say, I'm dedicating myself to this year. God may have done something in your life during the fast and pointed out a stubborn sin and you want victory, come up. Say, I need victory over a stubborn sin. We had somebody that came forward and said, I need to be a Christ follower. And they prayed to receive Christ right there. Whatever it is, you need healing, we wanna pray for you to be healed. But as we sing, I wanna invite you to sing with us and to come forward and be received at the front as we seal and dedicate our families to this year and all that God is doing. Father, we love you. And we thank you for how you're about to move. And God, I pray the minute we start singing, I pray that we'd start moving. And I pray that we'd seal this moment in faith with action. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.